Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. We just want you to continue to pray with us about that, so we hope that that continues to go through. We are on a 90-day study period with that, which is normal going through the process, but we need a permanent location up there for them to have church and services, so they'll be gathering back with us uh, for this next season that they are coming into here, so be looking out for Clearbrook as they come back home here to the Stephen City campus starting next Sunday as well, and yes, came through an amazing weekend with our women's conference, and I just want to say thank you to Kristen, her leadership team, and to everybody. Come on, would you give them a great big hand clap of thanks? All those that served that made it such a tremendous, powerful weekend. It was full here. If you weren't here, it was full of women. And uh, worshiping the Lord and getting closer with God and one another, the, the ministry of the Word went forward, and we know that God is ministering and continue to do that even after this conference is done. If you have your Bibles or smartphones, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, as we begin this new series today, I'm so excited as we start this whole book of Philippians, and we go chapter by chapter. And now, if you get there before your neighbor, don't get proud. We're going to deal with pride in chapter 2, but uh, we'll get there soon enough. This morning, we're beginning this series that I think is going to have such impact upon us because we probably know many scriptures from the book of Philippians. We, we, by memory, we call it forward, we study it, we memorize it, and there's just so many reasons that I'm excited as we come into this, but the book of Philippians has so many things to teach us about God's Word, and I think as you look at it, there's great doctrines in this book. There's great doctrines on the person, the work of Jesus Christ, uh, justification by faith, the second coming, aspects of sanctification. Um, Second, also, it talks about the relational side of the Christian faith that's so important, and we learn how Paul dealt with his opponents both inside and outside the church, and so also how to discover to deal with cantankerous Christians. Do you know one? Don't point at them, but um, in the importance of unity in the body of Christ. Paul's going to talk about that, and he's going to help us in how to deal with people that are coming against us inside and outside the church. And then also, Philippians teaches us to find joy in the midst of personal pain. And this is really perhaps maybe the truth that touches us at the rawest points of our life, the joy that God has for us. And we need joy, don't we? And we need his joy. Paul, you understand, he found this church in Philippi, and they love him because he found it. He personally led them to Christ, and it's here that we find this great reverence and love for Paul, but also Paul's reverence and love for them back. And a bond was formed that would never be broken. Ten years later, we understand as we come through these other writings of Paul, we find that he is now in prison And he is in prison. He's been watched over by the Praetorian Guard, which is the elite soldiers of those those days, chained to a guard at the time by just an 18-inch chain separated him from a guard. But in spite of this, 
we see Paul's tone is spontaneous, it is warm, and it is personal. Paul uses the word joy and rejoice 14 times in 104 verses. So you know what? I know that each and every one of us want more joy, but do you know that Americans are increasingly unhappy? You realize that, and studies have proven the reason why is because we are a mass addiction society. We are addicted to so many things which we have allowed steal and rob our joy every given day. The average 17-year-old American spends six hours a day on social media and the internet, which has led to isolation and loneliness. What brings a person more than happiness? What brings them true joy? Only a Christian can experience the joy of the Lord. And if you're here today as a believer, you can have joy, the joy that is sustainable in your life. If you're not a believer, you can come to the knowledge of Christ today and find the joy that God has for you. In the heart of the letter that begins in verse 3 of chapter 1 with, is Paul's thanksgiving for the Philippians. This paragraph we're going to see runs through what we're going to talk about today gives us a glimpse into Paul's heart and shows why Paul loved this Philippian church so much. And so today I have a couple points right out of this passage that Paul wants to show us how to have joy on the journey of your life. How many of you want to have more joy in the journey? Yeah, I do, that's for sure. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, I'll get to you in just a moment. You, so the, the couple of points, how to have joy. The first thing is thanksgiving. Can you say thanksgiving? Verses three through five, Paul wants you to understand there is joy in thanksgiving. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul, he comes out front, right from the beginning of this book and says, I want to express my gratitude for all that the Philippian believers meant to me. He remembered them as his friends, and his memory led him to give thanks to God. And his thanksgiving led naturally then to joyful prayer on their behalf. Paul chose to focus on the positive. I wonder how many of us do the same thing in our own prayers every single day. Often, many times, we can focus on the negative or the negative situations in our prayer time. And it's human nature, isn't it, to quickly go and be drawn into the negativity even when we're praying to God to recount the negative or the crazy thing, some, something that's going on in our world, in our nation, or even something that was done wrong to us. We all have a list of our, in our minds of things that have been done wrong. And many times what happens is we come to prayer and we can nurse and rehearse those wrongs, even in our prayer time. And when we do that, what happens is we are choosing a life without joy, we, we pray to correct something in other people. I mean, you know, how many times you've gone in your prayer closet, you've gone in and prayed to the Lord, God, I just pray you would just correct that person, smite them with fire, hit them, you know, give them hemorrhoids, whatever it may be. <laughs> but, but this is not how Paul comes at it. He comes at it in this tone of being thankful for the other people that are around him. So when you build a wall around you to insulate you, you build a wall that imprisons you, and Paul knew that. Not Paul. He says, no, I refuse to do that. He says, 
I thank my God. And I love this word thank because the word thank is Eucharisto. Paul is saying every time I think of you, I have a thanksgiving service. Don't you love that? Every time I think about you as fellow believers, I have a thanksgiving service. That should be our heart as it was Paul's heart. I thank God for you. Tell the person next to you, I thank God for you. Come on, do that. I thank God for you. At home, come on, do that today. Tell the person next to you. If all is sitting next to you, tell your dog, I thank God for you. I don't know about you, but when I find myself getting cynical and sarcastic, right, that's human in us, I have to begin to lead my thoughts towards thanksgiving unto the Lord. I have to begin, and when I start to do that, what happens is the ways of the world begin to release off of me. I just begin to feel it. Thank you, God, for what you have given to me today, the relationships in my life. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you have given to me. Amen? That's what we should do. And this is what Paul's teaching us. But whenever you pray for someone, begin by thanking God for them. Thank God for the role that they have played or are playing in your life for all they've done for you, for all they've done for others around you. Even if you're having conflict with this person, thank God that he or she has given you the opportunity to grow spiritually, learn forgiveness, be more patient, and on and on. And if you try that, you're gonna find something. And how many of you know you can at least find one thing to be thankful for in every single person? At least one thing, right? And that's what we should do. And so don't pray against them as you're praying for them, be thankful. When asked how he dealt with his enemies, Abraham Lincoln replied, if at all possible, I turn them into my friends. That's great. That radical transformation is possible in us as believers. One final thing about Paul's thanksgiving for the Philippians, uh, of all it was centered inside of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse five, he mentions their partnership in the gospel. That's the word he uses. That word partnership is, you've heard koinonia, sometimes translated fellowship, you know, that we have fellowship. In our day, we think fellowship means something like a social gathering where we drink coffee and share casual gossip, right? Something like that. To most of us, fellowship means warm friendship with other believers. And, and it's great, we can drink coffee, it has its place, but that doesn't begin to exhaust the New Testament meaning of the word fellowship. When you dig into this word, it's more than that. It's so much more. The original word had a commercial overtone. Like if, if two men bought a boat and started a fishing business together, they were said to be in koinonia, a formal business partnership. They shared a common vision. And through that, they invested in something together. They invested in a vision so that it could become a reality. True Christian fellowship means sharing the same vision of getting the gospel to the world and then investing personally to make it happen. That's what Paul is getting the church to. This is what he's saying. This is true fellowship. When you are working together, it's a, like a business venture as you come in and what you're doing is all for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's financial overtones in this word as well as a call to personal sacrifice. When Paul thanks God for the fellowship of the Philippians, he is thanking God 
that from the very first day of their conversion, they rolled up their sleeves and got involved in advancing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. True fellowship, he is saying, means putting the gospel first, always. And it's spreading the life-changing message. And Paul says, because of that, there is great joy in my heart. Can I challenge you today to rewrite the narrative of your life? How do you tell about your life to others that are around you? What do you talk about? Well, what do you purpose to talk about? Is it the good? You know, this, anybody can find the cow patty in the pasture of life. Are you with me? Spoken like a true Midwest boy here. Anybody can find the cow patty in the pasture of life. Are you with me? There's a lot of people, that's all they look for day in and day out, day in and day out. The next cow patty, the one, one they step into, you know, they want everybody else to walk through it as well. But it's a rare person who says, I thank God for this because this was an awesome time in my life and I grew from it. Thanksgiving. The th second thing Paul says, if you want to find joy in the journey of your life, you have to have confidence. Can you say the word confidence with me? confidence. Joy comes from knowing that God is doing a work in each and every one of us. I love that. That's what Paul's saying. God's doing a work in all of us. Here's what he says, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a what? Good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That Paul is saying, you know, what God starts, he always finishes. Are you with me? It's the good work that he is doing. And most of us know this scripture verse by heart. How many times have we quoted this, which is so important and so real? And there's a couple of things I want you to take note from this. First, God takes the initiative in starting this work in you. It's him who begins a good work in every single one of us. How many of you know that to be true? Salvation always begins with God first. He makes the first move. God is always the first initiator that took a step towards us because he loved us. He makes the first move even before we make any move at all. Second, also, God takes personal responsibility for completing his work in you. Now, I find this to be comforting. God has a good work that he intends to use in your life and mine every single day. Nothing will block that accomplishment of his divine purpose. God intends for every single one of us, every single one of his children to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And he will not rest until that good work is finally finished in every single one of us. It is his work. You know, have you ever saw these uh, maybe on a bumper sticker, please be patient with me, God isn't finished with me yet. You ever seen that before? I rolled up behind somebody the other week who had that bumper sticker, and they were going slow. And boy, did that speak volumes to me, because I was like, yeah, I need a little more patience in here uh, while you're in the hammer lane, and I want you to get over, okay? But, but it really is true, isn't it, that God is really not finished with any one of us yet, and it is a work in progress, and none of us have arrived but he's still working in our lives. He's still doing something great, and it's his good work that God isn't finished with us. That, that should just be something that rises up within us that gives God so much thanks. He's not finished. 
There's good news and bad news in this truth. You understand that the good news is that since God isn't finished, we have great hope for the future. Maybe bad news is that since God isn't finished with us yet, he won't let us stay where we are today, right? He's not going to let you stay where you are today if you're trying to become more like Jesus. He's going to keep chipping away. You ever found that to be true? The closer you get to the Lord, you realize he's chipping away all the stuff that shouldn't be in your life any longer. And he's conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the whole goal, to become more like him. You know, and so most of us have, have long understood this, but some of us have an enormous distance to travel. But it doesn't matter because this, I'd rather be six inches from hell headed toward heaven than six inches from heaven headed toward hell because directions make all the difference, right? Amen. The direction in your life makes all the difference to where you're going. So true. If you find yourself today caught up in the muck and the mire and personal defeat, whatever you're going through, and you read these words, I hope these words encourage you today because that's what Paul wrote them for. He's not finished with you yet. Get up and keep moving. God's not finished with you yet. Keep moving towards the goal, towards the heart of the good work. If you've been sent to the bench for a personal foul, learn the lesson that God has for you, then get back into the game because God's not finished with you yet. You know, the Bible says the righteous man, even though they fall down seven times, keeps getting back up. The righteous person. So don't stay where you're at today. Also, God guarantees the outcome of his work inside of you. Not only does God start the work, the process, and continue the process, he also guarantees its outcome. Oh, yeah, it takes our part in that, for sure. That's, there's no doubt about it. But he says, I will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This means that God won't be turned aside by the difficulties of any kind because he's so determined to make that you and me more like Jesus every day. That even in your backsliding, running from him, won't ultimately hinder the accomplishment of his purpose as long as you keep getting back up and following Christ. Someday, you and I are going to stand before Jesus as a redeemed child of God. And that's going to be a great day, holy, blameless, and complete in every way. And uh, we, we may be a far sight from that today, but a better day is coming for the people of God. That what is incomplete will be made complete one day. What is unfinished will be finished. What is lacking will be made full. What is partial will be made whole, right? What is less than enough will be far more than adequate someday. What is broken will be fixed. That's his promise. What is hurt today will be healed. What is weak will be made strong, the Bible says. What is temporary will be made permanent. That's God's good work. God has promised to do it, and the Bible says he cannot lie. He's begun a good work in your life, and he's going to carry it on to completion. And so you may feel, hey, I feel incomplete. I feel unfinished today. You know what? Don't fear. He is working in you. You know, we have mission. I know Kristen's uh, sister Candy's with us. Missionaries are with us. We have missionaries with us this weekend. Kenny and Dave are missionaries, veteran missionaries in the Baltics and Lithuania. We had a number of missionaries with us over the weekend. But, you know, uh, for the sake of the gospel, they go because there is a confidence in God that they go and do not fear wherever the Lord has led them. 
There's no fear. No fear. If you have confidence in God, you can have no fear as you face whatever comes your way and be fearless, just as we sang about today. Fearless in spite of what is going on. Third, affection. Can you say the word affection with me? Look at verses 7 through 8 because he says in this, there is joy in our affection for one another. You know, this word affection is a word fondness. It's deep. This isn't just something shallow. This is, hey, I have an affectionate love for you. There's a fondness. And here is what he says. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And there's three things that you can see inside here. There's a personal commitment. What's the personal commitment? I've made a personal commitment. Paul says, I have you in my heart. Isn't that something? He said, I've made a personal step. And the personal step is, you are in my heart. I love you. Also, he says, there's a shared ministry. All of you share in God's grace with me. Together, we share in the grace of God. There's a fondness. I love you. Three, there's a divine testimony. God can testify how I long for all of you. You know, there's something amazing in this because, listen, the world can try to counterfeit this, but it can never duplicate it. This is why people go to bars hoping to meet that special someone. It's why they join clubs and social organizations and join chat rooms on the internet. Men and women desperately want this kind of deep relationship, but they don't have a clue many times where to find it. The affection that Paul has for the Philippian believers is is that he says, listen, I have a shared relationship with you in Jesus Christ. And those who know Jesus are joined in a spiritual bond that runs deeper than any human tie imaginable. You know, author John Ortberg, quoting a study that tracked the lives of 7,000 people over a period of nine years, right? he writes, researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity or alcohol use, but had strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, he writes, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. I should have passed out Twinkies today. Deep fried Twinkies. That's an amazing study, isn't it? Let me, you know, you, you need to understand, and we've been talking about this even through the Rooted series last couple of know Pastor Mike did a great job on that, how important it is, our, our ties together, our ties together. Folks, there's a study right there, and more importantly than that, there is God's word that God created us for one another. And you cannot subtract that out of your life. You can try and act like you're bigger than it, but let me tell you something. You can't outsmart God. You can never outsmart his word. It's better to be together than to be alone. And let me tell you something. Can I just give you something? I hope you love me after I say this. If you spend too much time alone, you get weird. Hello? Hello? If you spend all your time alone, 
you get weird. That's why I get in one of our ALC groups. Today, today, run to that leader and say, I don't want to get weird. I'm tired of being weird, right? Somebody do that today, right? You do that today. Be honest. Verses 9 through 11 in this, there is an invitation to real joy. There's an invitation to real joy. There is an invitation. You're going to keep hearing about joy as we talk about Philippians. I believe the body of Christ needs such joy in these days because it is our strength according to God's word. We need the joy of the Lord. There's so many other things that are going around, the depression, discouragement, the anxiety. But here's what he says. In this, I pray that your love may, what? Abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That's really a key. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. This is, this is power-packed. First, how could Paul feel so much joy, feel so optimistic and positive, one thing we know for sure is it wasn't because of his circumstances, because of where he was at, there 18 inches from a praetorian guard, and then he's getting the attacks that are coming in from other people, fellow Christians, who distrusted him now, and he is behind bars. Surely, if anyone had a reason to be angry and offended, it was Paul. For sure. Yet instead, he speaks of joy and thanksgiving and gratitude and confidence and deep affection that he felt for the Philippian believers that were around him. Listen, I'm just going to tell you something this day where so many people are offended, so many, and believers in the church are not exempt from it. There is so much offense. Listen, you can't live offended and have joy at the same time. Paul says, you better watch out for the offense that tries to come your way, that takes root in your life. He says, because listen, inside of this, he's saying, listen, you can't live offended and have the joy of the Lord at the same time. Are you with me? And he says, you need to get discernment. You need to get knowledge. Discernment, knowledge, is really important. He's saying this. And although his circumstances were not ideal, he refused to let his circumstances dictate his emotions. Hello? Don't let your circumstances dictate your emotions. It's so important. By God's grace, we choose to rise above the circumstances. So real joy is found growing in love because he says, let your love abound. Don't let your emotions abound. Let your love abound to each other. Live it out loud. And so would would you pray this this week? Would, Would you pray this that You can't do everything, but would you discern and ask God to help you and fill you with knowledge and understanding, discern what is the best thing that you should do? Pray that for one another. Man, I believe if we begin to pray this for one another, Lord, I just pray that you would help my spouse know what is the best thing to do, my children to know what is the best thing to do. They would discern that this week. Lord, I pray for Pastor John that, He would discern what is the best thing to do. This is what Paul is encouraging us to do. He he had such a fondness, praying the best, praying discernment, praying knowledge, 
and that our love would abound for one another. You know, which is harder, to be in prison or out? Well, surely most of us say it's hard to be in prison, easier to be out. That's quick to say. Do you understand there's some people that are behind bars today that still have the joy of the Lord because they did find Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. I know many who are free in the sense that they aren't in jail, yet chains of bitterness and anger, lust, despair, greed, and a host of other sins enslave them on the inside. So he says that you will be pure and you will be blameless. Be excellent, be sincere, and be without offense. He says, don't be filled with those things, but be filled, dominant with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ. It directs and moves you in a new normal for your life that will give you joy. And here really is the key for today. Joy does not depend on circumstances, but on a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, do you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where the joy, he says, that's where the real joy, Paul's saying, comes from. And, and if you don't have joy right now, don't blame your circumstances. They were never meant to bring you joy in the first place. Amen? Amen. If you build your life upon circumstances, you're going to be miserable most of your life, right? You, you can't live in that. You need a source of joy that does not change and eternal perspective that comes only from knowing Jesus. Now, many years ago, I learned an acrostic like many of you. It may sound cheesy, but it's out of the word joy. How many of you know that one, right? J, Jesus first. O, other second. Y, yourself third, right? Jesus, others you. It's a statement that's both simple and really is true. When Jesus is first in your life, you can have joy that goes beyond your circumstances. And if you know Jesus, then you've discovered the central reality of the universe. Build your life on Jesus and nothing else. And listen, it eliminates the disappointment. I pray today that through this and through our series that we will find really the joy of the Lord that gives the body of Christ such strength in these days to be able to keep moving forward, to keep moving forward in spite of what we see, in spite of the crazy things that are going on in the world, that we can realize with Paul that we can have joy, joy in thanksgiving, joy in an having an affection for, for, for one another, that, that our love will abound for each other and encourage each other in this difficult race. We know it's difficult. Paul's not bypassing the thought of, wow, there's difficulties. There's people in this room that are going through difficulties. I've spoke with some that are here today that they have a family member in the hospital that needs a miracle today. Someone who lost a family member on Friday, they need God to touch them today. That even in spite of that, that there can be a joy in your heart no matter what you're struggling with or what you're going through, young person in this room, Lord, that he's the only one that can give you true joy that can sustain you through today, through the days ahead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, Lord, that is so central to our lives, that God, even as the Apostle Paul exhorts us and encourages us, that we can have joy and thanksgiving. 
that Lord in and through that joy that there's a partnership towards advancing the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that God, knowing that today you are at work in us, that we can be confident that you have begun a good work in us and you will take us to completion because, Lord, you're able to finish what you started, that our confidence comes in you today. There can be such joy in that. God, you haven't left us. And that, God, that there would be such an affection in our hearts for that, God, yeah, there'd be such an affection towards you first, Lord, as our heavenly Father. Lord, we would fall in love with you again this morning. So thankful for you, Heavenly Father. We love you. There would be an affection that we have for one another. Lord God, today that we would not allow offenses, bitterness, anger, these things to imprison us internally, Lord. But may our love abound. And that, Lord, we realize that real joy doesn't come from our circumstances, but it comes from having a living relationship with you, Jesus. And that, Lord, this morning, Lord, as we come to this time, that, God, I just want to take this moment, everyone that hears me online, to everyone that hears me here, that if you don't have a living relationship with Jesus, today is a great day to begin the new relationship with him. Today is the day where you can become a new creation, and you don't have to be bound by that sin or addiction or behavior or lie any longer, that today is a new day for you where you can come and confess your sins. And Jesus says, I'm faithful, I'm just to forgive you of every single sin you have ever committed in your life, no matter what it is. Today, if you say, you know what, I want that new living relationship with Jesus. Can I see your hand across this place? I see that hand, any hands across this place today. Right, one right here in the back. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. One over here on my left. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for raising your hand today. Father, I thank you now. Lord, as these two people have come to realize, Lord, that you are their Savior, you are their God, that, Lord, as they invite you into this moment, that you are setting them free and you're cleansing them from all unrighteousness. And Lord, even now, they are making you Savior and Lord of their life. And Father, today, they are choosing to live for you. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for this moment, Lord, that they've had with you. That Lord, today is a step in the right direction for them. And that, Lord, you are giving them newness of life. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.